What is up, everyone? Hello. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Ink. Ink. A podcast devoted to uncorking the comics, films, video games, and TV shows that make up all things geekdom. Especially as they both reflect and represent the rich colors of POC-centered and occasionally POC-adjacent narratives. This week, I will be cosplaying as Marlin, who is actually the first black male gym leader in the Pokemon series, the, the, the video game series. Um, he's also a water gym leader, which is the best type of Pokemon. I know it might be a controversial choice, but I really do think the water is the best Shake the table, Mary. Shake the table. Call me Misty. Uh, (laughs) And the call. (laughs) Me. Misty. That's right. Uh, Frothy. Now, he is from the Unova region, which is actually the region that's based off, the only region that's based off of um, the U.S. It's Mm -hmm. it's based off of Manhattan and New York, the, the NYC in general area. Take that, Iowa. Yeah, and he plays a real key role in helping the players stop Team Plasma, uh, who is the evil team of that ver- that uh, iteration of the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very dramatic. I'm down for that. He's usually Completely. seen in-game. He just, you know, jumps off of whatever he's standing on into the water and just <laughs> swims away. On to conclusions. <laughs> Basically. Jumps to conclusions. No, but he's actually the opposite. Um <laughs> He has this quote, which is, uh, when the ocean's your home, you don't worry about things like that because the ocean accepts all rivers. And it basically just goes with his MO of he will not listen to what other people have to say necessarily about what's right and wrong or who's right and who's wrong. He always needs context so he can decide for himself. I interpret that quote a different way, but yours is a bit more generous than mine. So (laughs) that makes sense. I feel like what he's trying to say here, especially because the ocean accepts all rivers, is that he less around decision making more so that he operates his life and walks this planet region um, with commitment to like inclusivity and doesn't necessarily worry about things like human difference or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I see it that I way, too. So probably both and, sure. Look, it's the, it's very similar to um, Jinx Monsoon saying from Drag Race, what are for ducks back? Yes, what it the level like. of fluidity in this character's design and oh, his speech. You said my favorite word. It's very, yeah, it's very that. So I'll take that. He's a water master for a reason. I mean, also I love the fact that he is um, a black male gym leader who is a water type. And, you know, we have to fight against historic tropes every day, including the fact that we don't know how to swim. So (laughs) I I, I appreciate that we're fighting stereotypes in this game as well. So bonus points if he's wearing a a midriff or a crop top. He is not. It's a full body swimsuit, I believe. Okay. The only reason I think it's full body is because in the official art, his feet are a little too pale to match the rest of his body, okay. his skin tone. Okay. So I, I, be, I do believe it is a full full uh, swimsuit. Okay. But if you want crop top... I mean, we always have Aqualad. Or Nessa. Oh. Nisa, sorry, Nisa. Nisa, yes. Yeah, she's yes, yes, the most yes, recent... That's my yeah, bad bitch, yeah. even she, though I don't play the game. No, she's a bad bitch. She is a, a swimmer, a cheerleader, a part-time model. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's a lovely segue into my character yeah. for this week. Um, so, two things. One... This week, I am horse. So please forgive <laughs> me if my voice kind of goes in and out this today. Week? 
Yeah, I've been hoarse for like the last two weeks. It's been wonky with um, allergies and all that jazz, but you know what? I'm still here, dedicated to bringing you content um, and hopefully a few laughs along the way, especially my voice sounds like that. I think we can do that, yeah. The second thing is that, speaking of models, this week I am Vixen from the DC Universe. That bad bitch. She is a model, a crime fighter, is also the wielder of a totem that allows her to tap into the Earth's morphogenic field, allowing her to draw upon the power of this beautiful planet's cadre of animals. Yes. And she was also once a member of Birds of Prey as a field agent. So frequently worked with Oracle and Huntress on a lot of covert operations. And I would love to see her brought to the big screen. I know she's been in a few things, including the Arrowverse yeah, and some other stuff. Yeah, a very interesting version of her, but but yeah, I guess it's still valid. I'm, I'm down. She is um, from the fictional country of Zimbizi. Um, it's very much like, insert your, well, DC's, not DC's equivalent of Wakanda, but their attempt at recognizing some sort of African nation. It's right, yeah. interesting, yeah. but... All that to say, that's who I am this week. She is absolutely amazing. Also rocks the most amazing, um, not quite pixie cut, but it looks like a pixie cut in the Injustice League Unlimited. I want to see uh, Prudence play her. Ooh, I'll take it. Even though I think she's a little too light-skinned. She is. Yeah. She is. But she is. I know that's. I know she can walk the finger waves, and so... True. Yeah. But anyways... Uh, what is coming down the pipe for you this week? Um, what is coming down the pipe for me is a new set of essays produced on Marvel.com attached to the podcast Marvel Voices. Amazing podcast. So this podcast. After you finish this episode, just go right along yes. and listen to Marvel Voices. Just don't abandon us. They have much better production and all that jazz, but you know what? <laughs> Support local businesses. It's an official Marvel podcast, of yes. course. <laughs> But it's hosted by um, cultural critic, uh, critic, badass, all around, she calls herself professional nerd, Angelique Roche, who does in-depth interviews with creators from historically under, underrepresented communities, though not exclusively, mm-hmm. but they all work in film, television, and media more broadly. And she talks about their work, their creative process, all that jazz. Yep. And these creators have kind of not band it together but have all contributed to an anthology series known as marvel voices (laughs) so in celebration of this new um, anthology series that is going to be in in comic book form angelique and others have produced a series of short digital essays exploring themes that really drive these stories and their creative process and First off, they have a beautiful landing page, which features some amazing quotes from these amazing essays. It really is a great landing page. There's one here from John Jennings, whose essay is entitled Lift Every Voice, in which he says, In some ways, the double nature of the secret identity of the superhero has always fit the experience of those who, those of us seen as other in our country. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, there is another one here from Applied Science by Tatiana King-Jones, where she says the world of Marvel is full of technology that straddles the realms of possibility and fantastical wonder. Inspired by the very real genius, behinds, uh, genius minds, why can't I read today, of Black women throughout history. So, contrary to my butchering of these quotes, these essays are well-written. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm really excited about exploring these because, one, it is Black History Month, so I'm here for everything Black, as per usual. Oh, yes. But in particular, I really want to surround myself with content that is being put out there by black nerds like ourselves amen so that's what is coming down the pipe for me 
Well, what is coming down the pipe for me is PAX East, uh, which is pretty much the first gaming convention of the year, and it kind of starts the year off in letting all us gaming nerds know what we can look out for, uh, what's new on the horizon, what's cool, all that jazz. Um, it usually takes place in Boston, Massachusetts. It is taking place in Boston, Massachusetts this year as well, and it's going to be from February 27th to March 1st. I really doubt you can get a ticket because <laughs> either it's press only or they have been, they're already sold out. But um, if you're in the area of Boston, Massachusetts, maybe you can walk by the convention center and, you know. Also, there's going to be tons of news on social media. Oh, yeah. Do you know, like, Related to various announcements. You, you might just, not be there, but you can still be there. Yeah. Get on Twitter, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram during any of that time, and you'll get all the the updates, you know, just scrolling in your timeline. But um, the thing I am most looking forward to this year is being a Borderlands fanboy. Um, Borderlands 3 is going to be at the conference, and they're going to be announcing their new, um, their second DLC campaign, which I'm very much looking forward to. I ran through the first one super fast uh, with my friend Kamathi, and I am just ready for more new content. Like, keep giving it to me. Now, there is a a caveat, (laughs) a bad thing about this. Um, Sony PlayStation, which uh, is the system that I have and that I know and love, they actually announced that they will not be attending the conference due to uh, uh, concerns surrounding the coronavirus, which really freaking sucks. Yep. Yep. It does. But I think another reason they did it, which is a longer conversation, is gaming conventions like this are becoming antiquated and a little obsolete. Uh, Sony as a company has not attended E3. It didn't attend, they didn't attend last year, and they announced that they don't plan on attending this year as well. So Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think in the next five years or so, these large um, conventions surrounding video games, or they might be a thing of the past. Mm. But we'll see. It could be a situation where they invite a very small select number of folks and do more like an Apple launch versus a full fan-centered experience so, or industry-centered experience in that way. So I think that's... That- Based on different companies. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. I, I wanted to specify. Not that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it is definitely going to go in the direction of each company is going to do their own event. Yes, or exactly. Their own, yeah, some sort of... Nintendo has Nintendo Directs. Sony has updates they do um, just on, you know, streaming networks or YouTube or their own platforms to kind of keep their users updated on what's to come. So yep. I think yep. that's where it's going to go to. Yeah. A lot less money. Yes, I was going to say, especially if it costs them more money to go to these places and put on these exhibitions than it does, then the revenue they're probably going to get from it. So, although I don't even think that they would... Anyway, thinking about business stuff, never mind. (laughs) Cool. All right, so let's get into our first section, which is Newsreel. It hasn't changed. Uh, This past week, we were given a gift with the first trailer for the upcoming A24 film directed by David Lowry, the Green Knight. Yes. Now, The Green Knight is an adaptation of a late 14th century Middle English romance story and is also one of the most famous Arthurian tales out there to date. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, King Arthur, Guinevere, Lancelot, yes. all that jazz. Yeah. Now, in the original tale, Sir Gawain accepts a challenge from a mysterious Green Knight. 
And the Green Knight basically dares any one of Arthur's Knights of the Round to strike him with an axe, and he will return in a year and a day's time to return the blow that they gave him. Now, Gwen, being the badass, quote-unquote, that he thinks he is... There we go. ...and trying to prove himself, mm-hmm. accepts this challenge, and in one uh, fell swoop, he kind of beheads... Not kind of. He beheads the Green Knight. I would say there was no kind of. No. It, head which, was off. Head was off. To which the Green Knight is like, okay, I'm going to get back up. I'm going to pick up my head and I'm going to walk away. Years time and a day, the Green Knight shows back up like, what's up? Like, I told you what this was about. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Bet. <laughs> I was going to say he, was, <laughs> he came up to him and said, make like a Lannister and always pay your debt. <laughs> Basically. Exactly. <laughs> to which the story goes on revolving around like Gwen's um, commitment to his honesty and um, chivalry and all that stuff. Now, in the upcoming Lowry film, Dev Patel, the amazing Dev Patel, will star as Sir Gwen, which I think is really cool because in recent years and, and especially films that we've seen trailers for in this upcoming year, Dev Patel is really taking on roles that traditionally, traditionally would be meant for white Englishmen. Yeah. Yeah. The mm-hmm. white Brits. Yeah. And yeah. he's taking those and he's doing what looks to be amazing in them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is playing Sir Gwaine, uh, who is, will be the reckless nephew of King Arthur that is looking to make a name for himself. And in doing so, he kind of decides that he'll seek out this mythic green knight to fight him, defeat him, and he'll become a legend forever. Will that happen? We don't know. <laughs> I mean, a legend... Maybe a warning. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, a we'll le- see. you can be dead in a legend. Yes. You, you don't necessarily have to come back alive. Unfortunately, knock on wood. Right. But from the trailer, it seems that this film will stick rather close to the source material. The Green Knight has been transformed from this man in armor into this very treant monster type character. And for those of you who don't know what a treant is, it's basically a living tree. Think, uh... So there's Swamp Thing that there's kind of Swamp goes Thing. That, but there's, if you've seen Lord of the Rings and the Two exactly. Towers, yes. the trees that Merry and Pippin, uh, Merry and Pippin, I think it was Pippin, yeah. uh, were riding on as they fought Saruman, not Saruman. Yeah. 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 As yeah. they fought Saruman, those are treants basically. But the Green Knight's been turned into that. And they're still, they're still very much the imagery of the axe that the Green Knight um, holds and a lot of blood in mm-hmm. this trailer. So we'll see. Will it be Sir Gwaine's? Will it be the Green Knights? We don't know. There's also uh, the tone and the shots in the trailer, which are very reminiscent of 2015's The Witch. Yes, yes. Which was an, another great A24 film. If you haven't had the chance to see it, go watch it. I might <laughs> still be on Netflix. I think so. I don't think they're taking it down anytime soon. Yeah. yeah. If it's not on Netflix, you might be able to catch it on Amazon Prime. Possibly HBO? If you no, 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 no. I don't no, think no, it's no, on no. HBO. Not anymore, no, no. Yeah, but I think it's either Netflix or Amazon Prime. Yeah. You can probably get it. There's also a lot of magic and a lot of swords and not a lot of shields, hence the blood. Yep. People aren't protecting themselves. Mm-mm. I mean, I'm always down for this. Um, one, because A24, they just have such a way with stylistics. Yes. That it creates this beautiful cinematic watermark. Almost. You always know that it's going to be an A24 film because it is so sharp in terms of the visuals. The story might be, eh, but 
You will know there's an A24 film. I always, I liken it to a stiletto in the mist for some <laughs> odd reason or another. It is because it is, it looks so absolutely amazing. And it's yeah. so sharp. Yeah. But it's shrouded in, in, in mystery, shrouded in mm. intrigue. You have no choice but to want to know more about what, especially the heel, the heel of that stiletto, what does the rest of the shoe look like? Interesting metaphor. Where the person is going wearing that shoe. Truth. All these things that make you really want to know more about the film based on the look alone. Yeah, I will definitely say that of the A24 movies that I have seen, especially the horror movies. Yes. Sure, there might not be an expansive story or narrative there, but just the beauty of how it's shot. Yeah. And the tone that, that's all throughout it, whether it's the lighting or the music that plays in the back, the background, um, or just the jumps. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, yeah. the the balance between spectacle the and subtleties. Subtlety. Yeah, exactly. That is the gaze. That is what we get makes the details. An A24 movie, an A24 movie, and what makes it the chef's kiss. Yes. But yeah, The Green Knight is scheduled to release May 29th of mm-hmm. this year. So we don't have to wait much longer towards the end of spring. Yeah. Yeah. Next up. We have, oh, okay. So the video game developer Ubisoft is planning to create this new virtual reality escape room experience titled Prince of Persia, The Dagger of Time. Now this experience will be based off of an older, um, it's over a decade old now, Mm -hmm. series and uh, um, franchise basically of action adventure video games that are built around various incarnations of this nameless, unnamed prince. Yes, yes. <laughs> from Iran. Sure. Sh- right, We're going to sure. go with that. It, yeah. It's it's a generalization mm-hmm. or a set of generalizations yeah. of sorts. But, you know, definitely has um, visual elements yeah. drawn these, from Persia. These games yes. are no Assassin's Creed. Like, you're not going to get the very Im- expansive, immersive Or history. specific as yeah. the Knights Templar. Yeah. Yeah. Not that at all. But it's fun. It's it's fun to play as a platformer. Yeah, it is. So for this VR experience, it will task teams of two or four players with exploring a reimagined Fortress of Time, which is this imposing structure from the 2004 Prince of Persia Warriors Within video game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I never, honestly never played that one. I did, actually. Oddly enough, yeah. Was it good? That was 2004? Mm-hmm. What year is it? <laughs> okay, you don't remember. How many permutations of Nehemiah have I gone through? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> cool, great. Thanks. I do remember Kalina, though. So I do remember that you had this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Kalina, she's basically the physical embodiment of the Sands of Time. And she summons each team to the fortress where they are required to solve puzzles and different, you know, stages to cooperatively in order to stop an evil magi who is hell-bent on creating this army out of the sands of time to cause chaos, destroy the world, kill people. You know the rest of the story. I would love to play a video game where you... Plant flowers? No, ew. Um, (laughs) Where... You just really like fuck the game over. You're like, okay, great. Um, when does it start? Yeah, that um destruction you were talking about, that like that havoc, that you know, rah rah, scary dead people. Like, mm-hmm. I'm down. Tomorrow, Monday, 
I'm free. Let me know. I'm waiting for that game. Sims? Probably. Yeah. But that's no fun. <laughs> I want the character and the AI system to go, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, girl. To glitch because you're not enjoying yourself? Like, yeah, girl, I'm yeah, down. that's not how it's made. That's not how they're made. That's I'm down to party. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, Cyril Viron. Viron? I guess. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your last name. I'm so sorry to that man. Hey, Cyril. Yeah. Who is the executive producer of Ubisoft Escape Games. Yes, they have their own vertical. Promises that it will indeed be a -a one-of-a-kind experience and an immersive experience. (laughs) Notice he didn't say good. (laughs) Right. He just said one-of-a-kind and immersive. Right. But, I mean, I give them some credit. This isn't their first foray into VR gaming experiences. They have had two or three other ones in the past. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That uh, you can find in many locations all around the world, actually. Yes. It's huge in Western Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, also really huge in the States, particularly on the coast. Shocker. Yes. Yeah. But they have a few ones that are towards the Midwest, um, especially in, in areas like, well, near Ohio and Pennsylvania, Rochester, New York, Buffalo. Yeah, those are the closest to... Other than Connecticut, the closest to, to NYC. Yeah. But yeah. Currently, there is no release date for this. Uh, and I can only assume that it will be available in the locations that are already oh, yeah. serving this community. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So look forward to it. They have a website. You can subscribe to their newsletter. It's going to be intriguing because, one, I am not a huge fan of escape rooms. And oddly enough, I think it takes a special type of person to enjoy escape rooms and then an even more of a niche person to enjoy a virtual reality escape room that one is built off a video game they may or may not have played so that's going to be fun i do think that it will bring in a whole new set of fans to enjoy both prince of persia but then also the escape room phenomenon if you aren't involved in team bonding or however you want to phrase it if you don't like it i'm so sorry if you love it great um if you love it then i love it. look if you like it i love it that is my exactly. that is my motto <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> completely so mm-hmm. i am definitely intrigued to see how this goes particularly as it relates to the larger phenomenon of brands really building out these experiential exper- experiences these um brand experiences for yeah. their fans that range from escape rooms to hotels that we're talking about last week with right. atari very true i think we should probably make a visit to even like alice in wonderland exactly experience. yeah so immersive experiences art it is a whole exists. new way for fans to engage outside of the game yes mm-hmm. which now that i say it, it actually is intriguing look at you so you talked yourself into it. Fuck that. <laughs> Guess we're traveling to Rochester, New York. The hallmark of a brilliant mind is being able to hold two opposing thoughts at once. <laughs> so. And on that note. <laughs> well, it might have taken up to phase four, but those who identify as part of the queer community are finally starting to see some representation in the MCU. Yes. Last year, we received confirmation that Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie is canonically bisexual. Yes, she is. Dives the buys. And maybe we'll get some of that explored in the upcoming Thor Love and Thunder, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Thor 4. Um, and not to mention there's a possibility of a trans character showing up soon. I think I, so. Yeah, I yeah. feel like I, yeah. I've read that somewhere. I feel like... 
Once we get more details, we'll obviously push it on the podcast. But right yeah. now, let's kind of keep it pushing, especially because of their track record. You know, that's Kevin true. Kevin because, yeah, for obvious very reasons. True. Very true. Well, in a new interview with Logo, Haas Sleeman, who I think you know more about him than I do. Oh, he's been in a bunch of shit. So he was in Nurse Jack. He has Momo. Um, he was in Veronica Mars. The character's name escapes me because I wasn't a huge fan of that show, but whatever. Um, but... As of late, he has been Ali and Jack Ryan. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Heard it was good. Yeah. John Krasowski. Yeah. 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 Cool. Get it. But, um, <laughs> with the beard. But, uh, yeah, so he revealed that he is actually slated to play the man married to Brian Tree Henry's character um, in the, uh, the upcoming Eternals movie, Fastos. And they will actually be raising a child together oh that's cute Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so we're gonna get a nice queer family okay i'm excited okay yeah um sleeman explained that in addition to depicting what married life is like for the couple uh the eternals also features a moment where fastos and his husband kiss so we might get our first gay kiss on the mcu screen yeah at this point, with how much money Disney has. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Honestly. And the people are asking for it. Yes, we are. Yes, yes we are. Yes, we are. That gay shit. Mm-hmm. That's Get what it. we need. We're in the veins. Uh, the kiss, Sleeman, Sleeman kind of said that, that the kiss takes place at a moment where it's very touching and it kind of left everyone on set in tears or crying or moved, which automatically makes me think death. Barrier gaze. But I'm going to be positive and optimistic because I really don't want that to happen. And Not again. I'm incapable. So, <laughs> I like to be proven wrong, though. Yes. And if, you know, even if it isn't death, just hopefully the scene won't be cut in general. Uh, we know that Marvel loves having their actors lie and bait the fans in order to drum up press and momentum for their film. So, hopefully they will actually keep that moment in the film um, and, you know, keep the relationship as true as we have heard that it is so far. Exactly, yes. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we will see. Um, one thing that I know for sure is that I'm happy that it's not two white gays. Amen. Because we've Amen. seen en- enough of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Five, six, seven, eight. Five, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's rare that you, you get a queer couple on the big screen that is two um, people of color yeah. together. So that's that's really good. I'm really excited for that and really looking forward to that. Um, but also, again, very wary because you remember what our first MCU character was, the gay character was. Yeah. 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 Uh, it was the Sprint guy. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, remember there was a commercial right before um, Avengers 4? Yeah. No, it was one of the Russo's brother in Endgame. Yeah, the Sprint guy. Oh. Oh, you're making a joke. Yeah, a bad one. Uh, yeah. Flat. Real bad one. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, keep it pushing. <laughs> Anyways, the film will be in theaters on November 6th yes. of this year. <laughs> And we are looking forward to learning more about who these people are going to be. First off, looking forward to just the Eternals. Y'all, this, if this goes over really well, I'm super excited. The Eternals are one of my favorite subset of characters in the Marvel Universe. They are basically a form of gods, like the race that preceded humanity, if not actually created humanity with, um, I forgot the other race, but 
I'll have to say quick download the on them. So they are they are locked in a war with the Deviants. Mm-hmm. But the Deviants and the Eternals are the two oldest races on the planet. In fact, that's why some of their names, the Eternals, resemble various gods and goddesses from various belief systems and, and mythos. Um, Fastos, hello, um, the Roman god of um, the hearth. Not the hearth. Roman god of fire. Um, Hephaestus? Hephaestus. No, that's Greek. But his... Um, oh. No, actually, you're right. Yeah. Great God, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, and then you have there's also things. Cersei. There's also Cersei. There's Icarus. And then there's Jax as well. There's yeah. um, uh, Heracles in the Eternals. It's actually Hercules. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. either way, we're looking forward to that. Yeah. Last but not least for this episode's section of the newsreel, the upcoming sci-fi series Vagrant Queen has been given a premiere date, finally, mm-hmm. of March 27th at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, the 10-episode series is based on the hit comic book series of the same name, which is published by Vault Comics, which is, it's not IGN, it's not Marvel, it's not DC, it's not Boombox. Vault Comics. Now, you said it's not IGN? Sorry, image. not IGN. Image. Yes, Thank you. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> Thank you. Thank yes. you for that. Yes. Yeah. It's not Image Comics. But um, they, they, they are another uh, comic book company, and they do have some really great titles. Yeah. So definitely check them out. Uh, but to give a little quick and dirty on what the backstory of Vagrant Queen is, uh, it is the story of Alita, who is a former child queen driven from her throne and her home and forced to wander the galaxy as she evades and hides from revolutionaries that continue to hunt her down. Yes. Now, Alita has built her life as a scavenger and as an outlaw, because she's in hiding, obviously. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, But then her old frenemy named Isaac shows up and says, Hey, hey, your mother's alive. Yes. Zevelyn's alive. And that leads them to embark on a journey where they join with a new ally named Amei and create a rescue plan to find Zevelyn, mm-hmm. Alita's mother, and get their family back into the right positions of being royalty and kind of getting their kingdom back on track. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the while, of course, she's being hunted down. Um, hopefully she can restore her kingdom before falling into the deadly hands of her childhood foe commander lazaro lovely yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) now from the recent trailer the series looks like it's one hell of a ride um adrian ray who plays alita looks badass and her personality is badass Mm -hmm. and her skills are badass so everything kind of matches she's this really powerful black female lead um she's funny She's cool, like, she's sexy, like, it all. She believes in the labels, which is going to be very fascinating to see how they stretch that out. Exactly. And how that embeds itself Mm -hmm. into the rest of the story. Mm -hmm. Queer shit, as you like to say. Mm, We're going to (laughs) see. We're going to see. But it's supposed, it has very fun and interesting character designs. Mm -hmm. It's not one of those sci-fi shows where space is only made up of human or human-like beings yeah you definitely see a lot of weird prosthetic designs in there to to show that like yeah there's other shit out there and it looks different 
and it looks cool. And, and I think we really need that yeah. because right now we're in an age where it's easy to make everything CGI and very yes. similar to how there was a commitment to making sure that Baby Yoda was actually a puppet. I'm here for this resurgence of prosthetics and puppets as a way to give weight to a lot of these characters when they mm-hmm. show up on screen. So I am down for that completely. I also find it hilarious that you see this in TV shows. Yes, yes. these, you know, million dollar franchises on the big screen, Star Wars, talking to you, Star Trek, talking to you, you get Admiral Akbar. <laughs> That's about it. Yikes, yikes. <laughs> well, there, there's what? always, so I think, and for all those that actually do this kind of work, Please correct me. I'm, once again, always down to be wrong and to learn more. But from my vantage point, it always feels like there is a trade-off between prosthetics and puppets versus the sleekness that they want to um, evoke in the film, mm-hmm. which it doesn't have to be. Like, yes, it looks clunky because it actually is... It, it, it has dimensions. <laughs> like, it's, it's a real thing. True, true. And not something that you worked on post-production. And I also think that the reason why I like prosthetics and puppets more is because whenever they show creatures who are not humanoid, who are not bipedal, um, all creatures who represent the vast imagination of what the universe can offer in the world, mm-hmm. it makes them look so much more real and makes them makes it actually is indicative and reflective of the imagination that it takes to imagine yourself as not the dominant species in the universe exactly the universe is ever expansive exactly imagination is as well so or at least anything goes so yeah anything goes but there's poc representation like i said there's queer representation like i said definitely worth a try to check out on sci-fi march 27th and if you are huge fans of uh, Mutt from Shit's Creek oh, yeah. or Doc from Winona Earp, mm-hmm. you will see a familiar face. Yeah, he's going to be Isaac in this, the the frenemy. Yes, yeah. Tim Rosin as Isaac. So we look forward to seeing him on screen. He, is, he has had a very interesting career in embodying different types of characters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All seem to have one-syllable names, though, except for I. Well, Isaac is a... I, uh, they're pretty basic, though. Sure. Yes. So I look forward to seeing that. Um, also, if y'all looking for extras, you have uh, two folks here who would love to make their on-screen <laughs> debut and in, in, in this space opera. And also, one last thing before we go to so For the Culture, I hope this paves the way for an adaptation of Brian K. Vaughn's saga, even though I know on one hand there might be some you know weird feelings about there being an adaptation especially given the relationship between intellectual property and adaptations but if they do go the route of adapting that for any kind of screen i hope this paves the way for that yeah i feel like there was once a talk or a little whisper or murmur about there being an adaptation of saga in the works coming eventually but it could have easily be been, have been someone's wish list, you know. Yeah. Um, also, just working with Brian K. Vaughn's property, it takes them forever to get to screen. Baby, Lock and key took forever. Baby. We still don't have Why the Last Man. The list goes on. Larger than it will take to edit this podcast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but cool. that is it for Newsreel this week. Moving right along to For the Culture. All right.
All right, time for for the culture. For the culture. So, uh, um, three days, four days ago. Sure. Sure. Picture it, Sicily, nineteen seventeen. <laughs> um, we are trying to find something to watch on Netflix, even though Netflix apparently has everything you would ever want. <laughs> Um, really Depending trying to figure on the out exactly the month and also the mindset and the genre, all that jazz. So we were trying to find something to watch, and Mike represented, uh, represented, recommended Sweetheart. And at first, I was a bit skeptical because I had seen that thumbnail image of um, Kiersey, Kiersey Clemens, and it looked interesting, but also looked like every other kind of horror survival movie. But before we get into that high level synopsis. Kiersey plays his character named Jen, and Jen is washed ashore onto this island, and she is stranded. So she has to figure out how to survive, all the while battling this creature that is pretty damn strong and scary. Mm-hmm. Came out last October on Netflix, uh, stars Kiersey Clemens, who was last seen as Joanne in Rent Live, yep. um, also played uh, opposite Nick Offerman in Hearts Beat Aloud in two, uh, 2018. Great movie. Yes. Definitely um, go watch it. And is directed by a very interesting indie favorite, J.D. Dillard, who directed the 2016 movie Slight, about a black teenager that turns to illicit activities to stave off homelessness with a little help from magic. This is such a departure from Slight. It is. It I, is. When you said that it was JD directing this, I was totally taken aback. I was like, what? Exactly. And the fact, like, oh my God, that's it's really great because this movie is really well done. I, I wouldn't think it was indie. But let's just focus on the description. Yes. Let's because honestly, it doesn't really sound particularly impressive or compelling. This girl washed up on this island, is stranded, and has to figure out how to survive. Basically. Great. But what if I told you that this film is utterly fascinated with the concept of belief, self-definition, and away luggage? (laughs) You will get that as soon as you watch it. (laughs) In addition to it, you know, starring a black woman being helmed by a black director. Well, if you are still not interested, hopefully you will be at the end of this conversation because this movie has some great elements. It really engages with social dynamics that some of us are all too familiar with, and it makes it really a topic of conversation in 2020, even though it came out last year. Yes. Mm -hmm. So let's dive into the narrative and viewing elements of this movie, the fiction of it all. Dive, because it's an island. That was not intentional. I do not make dad jokes like that. (laughs) Or apparently any jokes for that matter. (laughs) Okay. Any good ones. There we go. Yes. So this movie has several distinctive and compelling elements about it. There is a lack of traditional exposition, which I find fascinating. You're dropping right into the action. Right there. Or lack thereof. Exactly. You're you're dropped right there on the island, literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. There is a lack of prolonged shock experienced by the character. And that is interesting because how many of us have watched horror survival movies that the character stumbles around and wanders around in disbelief and it shock of their situation only to make the dumbest decisions about how to survive? Gosh, yes. Mm -hmm. And at the center of this is this black woman and this figure that feels and performance that feels completely human and so lived in. Yeah, I mean, she acted the house down. House down boots. Yes. So, 
as we've been talking about, you've been kind of chiming in. What do you make of these elements? Um, and how does your perception and reception of them change over time? Well, I think another element that you didn't mention is there's just this inescapable feeling of loneliness. Oh, yes. That's oh, in yes. this movie. Um, at least the first half. And it's created out of just her solitude being stranded on an island. And the only thing that the viewer has is her. Yeah. <laughs> and the only thing that she has is her. Yeah. So it's it's really the viewer feeding off of her and her feeding off of kind of the viewer. Yeah. Um, One thing that I, that I thought was interesting as it relates to the viewing experience, as related to what you're saying, yeah. is if you watch his movie and then from Jump, you are obviously rooting for her but then you are asking her to do certain things in a particular type of way because you know that she needs to survive oh she's already ahead of you that it was great there will be so many times when you're watching this movie where you will think all right girl you got maybe 90 seconds of air yeah how are you gonna use it i feel like this movie you know speaking of the elements that you mentioned before i loved it um I think this movie is made for people who are used to watching horror movies. Yes. Um, and used to the... Yes, but it's also great for beginners. It's also great for beginners. But yes. it, it de- I think there's definitely a, another layer for people who are like, okay, here she's going to trip. She's going to stumble. She's going to not read the signs. Well, not only that, but how many times have you and I watched movies? And if you're also a person of color who've watched movies like this, we're like, all right. A black person would have done things exactly. way differently. Exactly. Yes. Another insert community of color person would have done this way differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that really characterizes much of the viewing experience. Um, pro tip: definitely watch this with friends. It would make for a phenomenal viewing experience. <laughs> we watched it with each other, but I definitely want to watch it again with a bigger group. Yes, yeah, for sure. But I think our reactions are reflective of the awareness of the genre tropes, social and cultural context in which this film was conceived, shot, and experienced. And that really became apparent to me when I was reading this interview that J.D. Dillard gave to the website Gizmodo, where he talks a lot about his intentions as a creator and how his intentions really align with our reactions. Mm -hmm. So as it relates to exposition, he talked a lot about how the second creature that this film battles is exposition, largely because he has this personal opinion that there is far too much of expo- far too much of exposition in modern horror movies, mm-hmm. which I kind of agree, but I also would stretch that to say that there is far too much exposition in post-apocalyptic movies where they are overly concerned about world building, yeah. and so a lot of it is just about how Seattle looks burned to the ground. And on one hand, that looks great visually, but if it doesn't serve the purpose of moving the story along we can guess mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we're fine mm-hmm. we are imaginative creatures also he talked a lot about his insistence on having a black woman as a lead which i have to read you this quote yes tell me about that so he says my crusade for the rest of my life is letting people who don't normally get to do the coolest things in a movie to get to do it to get to do the cool things which is a roundabout way of representation knowing that i'm going to put a black woman at the lead my sisters love horror movies, really more than I do, considering I just made one, but they don't have many. The list of sh- the list is short of black women killing the creature. Very true. And that thing in particular, killing the creature to me, is very mm-hmm. incisive. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to keep this conversation as spoiler-free as possible, <laughs> but you could probably uh, guess what's going to happen. in what, 2018? 19. 2019. In October, yeah. Uh, 
you've had time. But exactly. No, yeah. Spoiler and so free. it's the dance of these two elements. The the dance of um, him wanting to make sure that there isn't too much exposition and being insistent on them being a black lead. Those two things really informed our reaction because it had us rooting for Jen from the beginning because on one hand, we had no reason not to. Exactly. And then also because we knew this this is one of the few films that has a black woman at the lead who was not stumbling about or not an extra or wasn't going to be in the film for 2.5 seconds yep. as an expository piece yep. <laughs> of trying to explain the movie in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's also the reason why we wanted her to really apply this ruthless logical analysis to everything that she was doing. Girl, we ain't got time to have feelings. <laughs> survive, girl, survive. Exactly. Survive and reflect later. Exactly. Be the final girl that you are. Exactly. And then from there, betterhelp.com, betterment, talk therapy, do what talk you need to do to get to get through it. Can we say these names even though we're not? Can we? It? We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And one thing that complicates, drives, and makes this movie resonate even more is how it plays with the idea of belief. Who gets to be believed and under what circumstances? And y'all, there is this one scene that calls belief into question. Um, Spoiler-free overview of that scene. I want to see you do this. (laughs) Because it's very hard with this movie. This is very hard. Hold on. Give me two seconds. Mm -hmm. Let me... Get some, um, let me take a moment, mm-hmm. take a beat, feel the character and its intentions. Liquor on the lips. And go. Scene. So, there's this moment where she is half through the movie. She has seen this creature. Mm-hmm. She has armed herself in every possible way. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, there are other elements of this movie that want to gaslight her in her experience. They want to make you, as the viewer... Question. Question. Not because you have any reason to question, but rather these elements are so strong in their intention to make her question. Mm-hmm. And all you can do is go, what? Like, what is happening here? So as you're watching this scene in particular and watching this dance around the concept of belief, how did you react to that? Oh, I was looking at my watch. I was like, when are you going to be like, cool, y'all be good. You know, I'm going to let the Lord deal with this situation because I'm out. My favorite phrase is go with God. Exactly. exactly. For that very reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it was so interesting because um, there was something that you did while we watched the movie that made me want to talk about this on the podcast. Mike. <laughs> I, probably, I do not remember what I did. <laughs> he not only watched his watch, Mike literally looked at the screen and went, uh-huh. <laughs> And just waited. Meanwhile, yep. I'm on the side just like freaking the fuck out because we watched her go through not nearly, but almost yeah, you were hell and high water. Cursing under your breath and just like f- furious. Yes. For multiple reasons. I was placid. Mul- one, because Ooh. of the numerous outfit changes. But also... <laughs> Which was like unnecessary, but also like, you know what? Realistic. Sh- show it off. She was trying to wear the same shit day in and day out. Girl, exactly. we've all been there. Exactly. Completely. Mm-hmm. Just because you need to survive doesn't mean you need to be ugly while doing it. No, survive and make it fashion. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, there was something else that you did that I wanted to talk about. Um, talk about... How do I phrase this? Hmm... Talk about how your reaction to this idea of not, not just the idea of, of, of belief, but 
her very vocal reaction to not being believed. Because you didn't say anything, but like you had some very interesting body language during that moment. I mean, it's just, I feel like I tensed up a lot because I saw it coming. It's really hard to do this without spoiling anything. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but the second you understand the element in this movie that not the monster, but the additional element that comes in halfway through the movie that is honestly probably the larger villain of the film, you know what's about to happen. Yeah. And so I kind of just tensed up waiting for it and was hoping that I would be wrong. But yeah, of course, you know, um, and how what was what was the rest of your question? Like how, no, that was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I I feel like that that tension. And then and then it go, just went into what we talked about before. I was just looking at my watch, waiting for her to be like, "Okay, screw this." Yeah, I am saving. I'm making sure that I get home. Oh yeah, that I get out of this situation. And I feel like that was a familiar tension that many of us who are used to fighting for, fighting to be heard, fighting to be believed have felt in numerous instances. In fact, I fully feel like the privilege of being believed is something that I think we all think about as being a part of communities who haven't always been believed or taken at at their word Mm -hmm. for their existence and for their experience. And I think those experiences are the strings that are being plucked here, each definitely vibrating more and more, so much so that it makes sense that our reaction to each of these moments was, all right, girl, do what you got to do. But also made me think of the social and political minefield we're in right now, where belief, um, our reaction to not being believed and the fatigue that comes from that, resulting in a lack of empathy for our accusers, makes us want to say, you know, fuck it or do what you got to do to ensure your survival. Amen. Um, so how do you think that conclusion is informing how, you know, you're navigating our political and social oh, environment that's, now that's exactly what i do i think i've 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 spent enough energy in this environment yes um, in this climate trying to convince or change or you know speak up to things um and now i think it's more instead of like that convincing element which you know could possibly come if you find people that can hear you out and you can have a conversation about it great yeah but um instead of spending energy on that i want to spend energy on creating and doing other things so that my community is elevated and the future generations can have that there it's kind of like what we talked about in the previous episode um reparenting your inner child yeah yeah where you have to be the person that you wish your child saw when you were growing up yeah your child you're you have to be the person that you wish you saw when you were growing up Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like that i'd rather spend energy on that than trying to convince people it's just like cool i'm going my way i'm gonna survive look i'm gonna continue doing this and continue creating and doing amazing things yeah um Spreading love, spreading, <laughs> spreading love. Yeah, not the herpes, just not the, the herpes. Love. Never the herpes. Um, that reminds me so much of um, yes, I'm going to be this person that drops in an Audrey Lord quote, um, from her book Sister Outsider essays and speeches, where she talks about how black folks and other folks from 
other parts of, of the world who've been historically colonized and who've been historically um, extorted in many ways. Um, we spend a lot of time educating our oppressors. Yep. Um, women spend a lot of time educating men. Queer folks spend a lot of time trying to educate <laughs> non-queer folks, all that. Um, in fact, we do it so much that we end up draining energy from what we should be doing, which is trying to divine ourselves for ourselves and devise realistic scenarios for altering our present and, and, and really determining our future. And I think about that a lot as it relates to a current moment that we're in politically and socially where people say things like believe black women, mm-hmm. but what does it take to believe black, black women? Is that a platitude? Is that a bumper sticker? Or are you actually going to take folks at their, in particular in this instance, black women at their word? And also, that doesn't mean like blindly believe everything that, you know, black women say, but also like put that into action beyond just um, a social justice bona fide to prove that you are down, (laughs) you're down with the, with everybody, in particular black women. But I think... What also complicates things are some other stuff that I've been trying to really find language for. So as I do that. No, I was just going to say it's always something that we have to deal with, but it's not necessarily our problem. Yeah, you're right. Completely. Which we are not necessarily the ones that need to fix it. We can go all day saying, you know, what we believe in order to convince and change, but... You know, that only goes so far. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, what I think a lot about is the idea of, and the reality of linked fate, which some folks talk about in this instance of why, for instance, why white folks should be in solidarity with black folks or uh, people of color in general, um, is that we are, we all exist in this interconnected world. And our, our fates and our consequences and our actions are interconnected. That you cannot escape the consequences of your actions, even though you might just be targeting black and brown folks, even though <clears throat> we're about to test that with several things, including the ability to fly out privately people into space. Mm. But anyway, <laughs> we'll be testing that out. So I think this idea of linked fate really complicates this because on one hand, while you're not trying to, or may not be trying to convince your accusers, majority folks that you need to be believed sometimes that can be perceived as a necessary tactic of survival you have to convince them that they need to use their privilege for something better yes to build something better yes and i think that that that's hard so i think for all these reasons um the fact that this movie bucks against genre tropes Mm -hmm. um the fact that it is evoking lived experiences that definitely inform how we approach surviving in any situation especially this one especially if it involves other people yes (laughs) and the fact that it can you know spark an interesting conversation around belief disbelief survival especially of linked fates and in particular um and disproportionate relationships of power and agency like this film needed to be talked about in this moment, definitely in 2019, of course, mm-hmm. but now I can see why, irrespective of when it came out, it definitely should be part of everyone's um, UE experience in 2020 as yeah. we go into a set of political decisions that will test a lot of these concepts. I wish there was a better way to get it back into, I guess, the zeitgeist. Well, I mean, what um, we're doing now is one yeah, way. More people talking about it. Yeah. You know, telling more people to watch it, 
forcibly chaining people to a sofa and making them watch it. Ooh, your words, not mine. <laughs> but no, just because, like, overall, it's an amazing movie. Whether, you know, outside of what it represents yeah, and, yeah. and um, what you can glean from it. But, yeah, it would be, yeah, it really connects. It really resonates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, if you have Netflix, might I suggest you go check out Sweetheart. Um, it's a really good movie. Hopefully you're inspired by this conversation to not only watch it, but also carry forth a similar conversation or even better, a different conversation with those around you. And we cannot wait to hear about the ways in which you're experiencing us. Yes. All right. On to our last section. Please explain. What are we what do we need explaining this week? We need to explain, or rather, I would love to hear someone else explain to me why death is out here just drunk. Sounds like prayer. De- <laughs> Look, that's what's, that's what's the needed. good book says with prayer and something else, make your request known. Yes. That's in some book in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> but y'all, death is out here taking out folks left and right. Um, it is taking out legends. Um, Janet Dubois, who was in Good Times. Mm-hmm. Um She's gone now. Um, Paula Kelly died, I think, two weeks ago. Paula Kelly, really a phenomenal pioneer on Broadway, was in one of my favorite musicals, Sweet Charity. Phenomenal black dancer. Just dancer in general. It's just great, great, great. Kobe and his daughter. Um, Even... That woman is still open. Most definitely. It took out um, one of the actresses from um, the movie Queen of Katwe, Mm -hmm. where she has this amazing quote. Her name is... um, her name is Nikita Pearl Walegwa. Um, she has this absolutely amazing quote that chess allows the um, small one to become the big one. Yep. I'm probably bastardizing that, but no, something I that is still very it, much yeah. resonant or or the spirit in which that quote was crafted, it definitely resonates. So, you know, while you still can, hug your loved ones. Mm-hmm. Give roses it's to our February. legends. It's only February. <laughs> I guess this is our official Black History Month episode. <laughs> Yeah, they're very true. <laughs> yes, because our, our next episode, our next episode is coming out in March. Right, right. Happy Black History Month, y'all. Indeed, three sixty-five, but most definitely for this twenty-nine days mm-hmm. that we have this year. Hello, leap year. So yes, hug your loved ones, give roses to our legends while we still can, and by all means, don't let any of us vote for Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> all right, friend. I think we're done. I think we are done. <laughs> Um, once again, thanks for listening, y'all. We hope you enjoyed the news, the conversation, and the rough edits. Uh, please rate and review generously. And remember to follow us on Twitter at This is the Ink, all lowercase, and our Instagram at This underscore is underscore the underscore ink, all lowercase. And share with your friends, family, and undecided. See you next time. Bye, y'all. <laughs>